Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, elder candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. What are you doing? I'm chilling with you. We're good. We're good. Having We're a happy. good day. Man, productive day. Got a lot done. Lots. And uh, we had a good lunch. Yep. At Barrel Great. and Rye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A I had a salad. I had chili. Chili, yep, yep. Yeah, so somebody's upset that uh, we did, we're getting hand gestures right now. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so As soon as you start talking about lunch, I was like, oh, someone's going to be upset right now. Because uh, Steve McCoy's in the house. Hi, Steve. Well, hello. So uh, Steve McCoy, um, longtime friend of mine, very close, one of my closest friends. Wait, don't well, uh, no, don't stop, even start. Don't stop. start. Don't start. No, don't be he, jealous. He used to be a close friend. No, no, friend. he is one of my closest friends Hold on, when you say time. one of, okay, yeah. fine, he's one of. Yeah, there's two. But who is the? I don't think of it that way. Oh, okay. You don't think you of it know, that there's way? There's like different, uh, you know, kind of like the Mormons, you know? I feel like, uh, you know, some of the wives are, are good Wait, in some on, ways, you, okay. and then some of the wives are good in other ways. See, no, so no, like, you so got like this like backwards. A, See, you're my podcast wife. No, we know we all not. know you're we're my podcast. Let's get to Steve. No, 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 no. And Steve is my podcast side. You know. All right, so here's, here's the thing. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Steve, Steve has known to do. How long have you known Joe, Jimmy? Uh, I feel like uh, forever. How long have you known Joe, Jimmy? I've known Just, I've known Joe. We, we're kindred spirits. When, when here. did you come to Redeemer? Like uh, October was Joe your 2012. Sunday school teacher when yeah, you were young. So 2012. Joe was Joe my Sunday school teacher. <laughs> Probably I'm old enough to be your Sunday school teacher. <laughs> so Steve and I met in uh, seminary at Southern Seminary when um, we were there, and we developed a fast friendship. And uh, we got our families together, and Steve yelled at us because we were using birth control, and he was telling me, if I remember correctly, you were telling me that we were Whoa. sinning because we weren't trying to have kids Whoa. right then in seminary, if I remember correctly. Whoa. Why did I not know this was going to well, come up? Well, that did it not happen. I don't think I'm lying. I, I, I've actually heard this story, but yeah. I'm actually shocked that he brought it I'll up I'll bring here. it up, man. Steve, man, he's super judgmental. I, I, I was not Steve, expecting Steve's that. Steve's like a super close friend. He's like, yeah, man, why aren't you having babies, yo? <laughs> and I'm like, well, we're in seminary. He's like, nah, that ain't a good excuse. I didn't say Yo. He's like, are they a blessing? Southern are they, Seminary. He's there like, are rules. they a blessing or are they a curse? What are they? And I'm like, oh, I, guess they, I guess they're a blessing. He's like, yeah. Why are you denying God's blessing, son? <laughs> so Steve, a uh, really good friend. Um, I was pastoring a small church in Louisville, not in Louisville, in central Kentucky. Yeah, you couldn't make it in Louisville. No, no, no. Louisville wouldn't have me. And so Steve would preach for me whenever I was gone. Um, and then Steve came up to Illinois, pastored here in Illinois for good, 12 years or something like that. Yeah, 12 years. Wow. Yeah. And um, now, how do we say what you do now? How do we explain that? I'm a, the content strategist for Mission Group. All right. He's the content management for Mission Group. Content so I, mean, I, th- I, think, I think there's a way of putting group. it, though. I think it's like, you are the puppet master <laughs> no, of Dr. It. Ed Stetzer. <laughs> <laughs> So, so guys, everything you guys see about Ed and hear of Ed. Thanks, Steve McCoy, uh, th- for that. Yes, yeah, Steve you can McCoy is the guy pulling the strings. So you guys know, a lot of you guys know that Ed Stetzer is a friend of ours. Um, and Steve and I met Ed around the same time in seminary and mm-hmm. uh, became friendly with him. And Ed has actually been a very good friend to Steve and I over the years. Well, he's yeah. been more of a friend to Steve. Well, lately, since they're working together. <laughs> he's more of a friend. I mean, he's more of a friend to Ed, I think, at this point. Yeah. I think so. But well, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, I'm thinking more like along the lines of, Steve, you and Ed ha- kind of have this like, Weird father son relationship. It is. It, it is a little Darth what, Vader. Would you, you say that, Steve? <laughs> um, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve, um, Steve now works uh, for Mission Group, and uh, Steve. You know, if I'm just honest, Steve is 
a really smart guy. He's one of the smartest guys yes. I know. Um, I, when, I, when I looked at, when I was watching Steve as a pastor, I was always um, encouraged and impressed. But if I'm, if I'm really honest, uh, one of the things that stands out to me the most about Steve is how he is a husband and a father. Yeah, I and, agree with that. And over the years, um, and anybody that knows Steve is encouraged by his, uh, the way that he approaches fatherhood. And so over the years, I've been, boy, I've been convicted deeply and encouraged tremendously by Steve's example and his words as it relates to fatherhood. So now that I'm done blowing sunshine up your skirt, Steve, um, welcome to the podcast. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about, <laughs> we're going to talk about fatherhood today. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be dads and, mm. and how could we be better dads and all of that. And listen, if you're, if, if, uh, if you're a lady, you're like, well, this is not for me. Listen, uh, if you're not married, you're going to be looking for a, a man to be your yeah. husband and God willing, the father of your children. So this is relevant. Or to if you. you don't have kids yet. Absolutely. These are, these are some of the things that are going to be really important to your husband and to you. So Steve, as, as way of introduction, why don't you t- kind of give us, you know, a snapshot of your family and, and things like that. How many kids do you have? How long have you and Molly been married? Uh, why does Molly, uh, you know, think of Michelle and I as the best couple to hang out with? <laughs> Go ahead. Definitely you, not true. Uh, well, I don't think that's true. Steve. <laughs> Who's CG are they in? Who's community group are they in? Steve. They're in our Steve. Steve. Steve and Molly are in my community group. I asked group. to visit Jimmy's. Uh, well, I told him no. But Steve, does Molly not think that Michelle and I are the best couple to she be with? She thinks you guys can yuck it up. There you go. At the cabaret. Oh, oh you there, can't that tell is that story. A, that is a, <laughs> you can't tell that story, Steve. <laughs> well, listen. What? Tell I'm us. I'm just about, saying. There's a there's a level here, so don't push me, or I'm going to push back. Yeah. Okay. So, see, Jimmy just got quiet. Yeah. I don't. Steve, tell us about your family. Yep. So, I've been married for going on 25 years. Wow. Uh, four kids. My daughter and son are in college. Uh, son is still at home, um, finishing up his first couple of years, and then he's going off. Um, Jack. Sarah, that's Jack. Sarah's our oldest. Um, and she's at Eastern Illinois University. Uh, really excited for her. She's just loving it. Yeah. Loving yeah. being in college. Um, and then we have two kids in high school, two boys. Uh, Elijah is 17 now, and Daniel is, gosh, 14 going on 15. Wow. But he's the size of a 20-year-old. Yeah, he's, he's a big kid. <laughs> kids are, kids are like, hurt somebody. Now, um, listen, your kids, by everyone's estimation, are yeah. awesome kids. Yeah, except are, for Daniel, yeah. Uh, well, Daniel's a little thug. Yeah, he's a little. Th- no, but the other ones though. Your, your kids are your kids are are great kids. I I remember watching you. Uh, we were at an Acts twenty nine boot camp. Mm. Uh, I don't know what their ages were then, but they were young. And Steve was like, "Hey, I'm gonna go in and listen to this talk. You four stay here and hang out, and I'll be back." This is how I remember it, anyways. Yeah. And those four sat there on the floor and entertained themselves for an hour. And didn't cause any trouble. <laughs> I just remember thinking, yeah. my kids, I've got four kids, and my kids would have wound up fighting and running around and playing and stuff. Oh, yes. Bonger and Maymay oh, would have tore that place It would have been bad. So, like, your kids, I mean, they all appear to be uh, believers yep. who really love the Lord. Um, sure, adjusted. You know, Sarah, your, your eldest, is, man, I remember Sarah, she was two, I think, when I met her. Yeah. One or two. And, you know, she's a godly young woman at a state university where she's surrounded by all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And how does it feel knowing like, wow, my kids are growing up and I have to I have to like send send yeah. them out uh, into these environments where it's they're very much in the world. Do you do you have any thoughts about that? Like, what do you what do you what goes through your head? Yeah, well, I mean, we just made a, a big move this summer. So for us, you know, going through all of the changes as a family, we've had to revisit so many things that we've had to. Yeah. 
um, to do as parents uh, along the way. And we've had to face a lot of obstacles and kids, you know, needing to meet new friends and uh, living in a new city. So, you know, for us, I think the, the earlier years of parenting were not easier, but it was so much simpler to structure yeah. how we parent our kids and yeah. what we do day by day. Uh, and now, and you know, of course, we're in the era where, you know, my kids and phones and computers and games and, you know, just all the things that they have. I think this is just a really, really hard time. Yeah. Um, parenting, you know, there's always the joke that I kind of hate when people always say, and your kid's good when they're 10. And then they look at you, so a parent looks at you and say, yeah, but wait until they're 15. Right. Um, and unfortunately, that's very true. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it, it gets much harder when they can not talk back, but when they can start questioning the hard things and, you know, that's kind of where we kind are. Kind of wondering why. Yeah. Wondering why, or, or just realizing, you know, I taking the things that you want them to take seriously is not as easy as just telling them no to right. candy. They yeah. really, they really want reasons. They really want to think through things and, and your kids are smart, man. Steve's kids so annoying. <laughs> kids, they're like, they're, they're great kids. Like you could trust them, but they're also either all-star athletes or they're in advanced classes or both. That's pretty yeah, much yeah, what yeah. it is. And it's like, what is going on with your kids? And you wonder like, how did Steve spawn that? No, that's Molly. That's Molly. That's all Molly. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. So we wanted to talk to you today about this because not only are you a, you know, a friend that we love and we love to hang out, even though you're not a member of our church yet. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So I love that you won't commit to it. I think Molly <laughs> filled out her stuff. Yeah. Pretty fast. Uh, it's on my to-do like, list. Yeah. Yeah. For the past it feels like eight months, maybe, maybe a year. So we wanted to talk to Steve because I, we really, I really do mean this when I say that, you know, Steve is one of the great examples of being a dad to me. Now, my dad is, is a great example, even though he was a non-believer for yep, yep. the vast majority of my life growing up. Um, but he was always such a good dad in so many ways. Steve is a great shining example and his kids are older than mine. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to really watch him do it. And Steve would like very usually very kindly push on me in ways I was like, right, that I needed to hear it. So we wanted to talk about it. So why don't we start with this? What does it mean to be a dad? Mm. What does it, what does it mean when you, when we, when you think about it, and Jimmy, you too, what does it, what does it mean to be a father? Yeah. Go ahead, Steve. I'll yeah. You, go I, first. you know, I just, this is in the last couple of weeks. I just had that kind of one of those moments as a dad where I realized my teenage son's you know, they see things differently now than when they were younger. When they were younger, I could get away with a lot of stuff as a dad. Yeah. I get away, you know, if I'm being lazy for a day or if I'm, you know, kind of not paying total attention to whatever I'm supposed to be doing at the time. But now I think they see all of those things. Yeah. You know, and it tends to be that they don't come to me and say, hey, dad, I noticed this was happening. But then I hear it later on through Molly's be like, oh, you know, Daniel was asking about whatever you were doing. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I should, you know, I think when they when they see me watching a movie, let's say, um, they're not just saying dad's watching a movie and I watch my shows. They're saying, what's the movie he's watching? Why is he watching it? Why is it okay to watch something like that? And I, you know, I'm, I just feel really challenged right now, you know, at this moment with, with teenage boys, um, right. cause they're the ones at home. I, I think it's, I think this is a tough time to try to help them to see, not just by the things that I do and not just the way I explain things, but to also question myself and go, am I, mm. am I living the right way? Right. Mm. You know, being the kind of guy, the kind of dad, the kind of um, father, you know, to them, uh, the kind of husband to Molly in in the things that I do day by day so that 
I, I'm giving the example of what it means to be disciplined. You know, mm-hmm. discipline's tough when the kids right. have a chance to play online with their friends. So it sounds like you're saying that a part of being a father um, goes beyond ideology, right? It's very much like daily life, what the kids are going to see, what they're going to ask. Yeah. Like fatherhood is a very practical, tangible thing that is, um, you know, it's not like three points. Like you get these three points down and you're going to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, being a father is, is a, it can be a complicated thing. But if you had to, if you had to simplify it, if you had to say like, wow, at the core, what are some of the themes that, that rise to the surface where you say, wow, when I think of fatherhood, this is a dominant theme. This is a dominant principle that I know that I, as a dad, need to embrace or to exercise. Yeah, and I, 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 I think I want to start by saying, and this is what I wrote about several years ago on my blog, and it got a lot of readers. And um, Send me that link because we're going to put that up. That's yeah, a great I'll, article. I'll do that. Uh, and the first point is that kids are a blessing, which you mentioned yeah. <laughs> that I brought yeah. to you a long time when ago. When you rebuked me, yeah. Uh, yeah, when I called you a dirty, rotten sinner. Um, the... That still holds. Yeah, right. The the there's so many things at this stage of parenting, and I, I think I've said to you many times. Number one, stop saying I'm the best father you know, or something dumb like that, because I just there's no way that's true, especially right. at the stage that I'm in with with our kids. Um, but that so much of what we did when the kids were young helped us to get to this point, and to have even where we failed the ability to speak into their lives because they have not, uh, they, they've not been coddled, you know, and, the, yeah, and, and they, yeah. we've not kind of given in uh, to their desires. Um, you know, we, we've tried to bring discipline into the way they've acted toward us, toward other people, toward church people, toward strangers. And those things are the things that uh, have, have laid a foundation. And now when we, you know, even though they don't follow a lot of the same rules we had as parents of young kids, uh, those rules helped us to get to the point where we can talk to our kids yeah, yeah. Uh, in ways that I know a lot of parents struggle when they have teenagers. And it's a struggle for us. I mean, it's, it's, it's a terrible struggle. Uh, and I haven't had as many parenting conversations I've had in the last couple of years about our kids. Um, but that foundation is so helpful. For so us. put that, put that in, a, in an encapsulated idea for the people, like for the listeners. Um, parent your kids well when they're young. Yeah. Mm. That's good. So that you can do what you need to do as the years go by. Yeah. So they'll have a, a kind of respect. Uh, you know, we didn't let our kids call people by their first names, even if people said, no, yeah. no, no, you can call me Jimmy. I remember this. I remember yeah, this. There yeah, there is like, no. no calling Jimmy Jimmy. You call him Mr. Fofo. You don't want to hear what they call Joe. So, <laughs> yeah. so there's, I mean, the, and, and you're not alone in, in that sentiment. Um, you know, Paul Tripp and others, they know they really, they, they push in this direction as well. Like what you do in those first several years of your children's life is going to bear fruit down the line. Yeah. And so you have to really help them to understand uh, the boundaries and um, you know, the rules in a sense so that, when the time comes for them to ask questions about those rules, those rules, um, there's a foundation upon which you can, you could build. Yeah. Um, so that, I think that's, I think it's really good. I know one of the things when I think about fatherhood that I think about, and of course this would apply to motherhood as well, but we're talking about dads, yeah. um, is responsibility. Mm. Like as a dad, 
I am responsible for this family. I am responsible for these kids. And that doesn't mean that I'm at fault for everything that happens, but everything that happens is something for which I will have to answer to God. Yeah. And so what's the spiritual temperament of my home? What is the emotional flavor of the home? Are my kids... Uh, you know, are they oppressed? Are they free? Are they happy? Are they like, what's going on in my, ha- in my home? What's the aroma of the home? As a father, I have a responsibility to make sure that my kids are growing up in the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. I have a responsibility to know that my, um, that my kids see my love and devotion to my wife. If I am loving towards my wife and devoted to my wife, they need to see that the level of response, the, the issue of responsibility is one that rings true to me on a, on a pretty deep level. Yeah. And that, I think helps us to then take seriously what you're talking about. Like, wow, um, these early years are not throwaway years. You know, oh, it's, it's, uh, the, he's, he or she's six months old. Now she's one years old. Uh, now she's two years old. Um, you know, these are all like throwaway years because I'm not like, you know, talking to them and conversing with them or anything. Like, these are all mm. really important yeah, years. I can't have those deep discussions with my toddler. And so I feel like I can't wait for the day for those things to come, but those deep discussions come. When, you know, they've, they've learned when mom and dad say something, I need to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I need to question it. I need to not just say, I feel like doing something else. You just do it. That's, that's what it means to obey mom and dad. And then, you know, now, I mean, you, you you know, Sarah being here at the church for a short time before she left for college and all of that, um, you know, she thinks of you as her second favorite pastor. Yeah. She calls me her first favorite, but I know that's not true. Um, yeah. Fofo is the first. Yeah. No. It's funny because you're not a pastor or an elder. It's interesting. Jimmy. Uh, yeah. Oh, so, okay. you know what? Maybe <laughs> you need to learn to instruct your daughter to follow the right, okay. you know, the right people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think with us uh, and, and, you know, Sarah's being that big example for us because she's really the one who's first left the house. Yeah. yeah. We don't have that contact with her. I haven't texted her in a couple of days and that's weird. So and, weird. Right. Um, because I spent all of her life with her, you know, every kind moment. of because you guys are like best friends. Yeah. It is kind of a joke um, with some of our friends, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's very true. I mean, there's in, in lots of ways uh, I spent the last few years with her finding as much time to just sit and talk and to just let her, whether it was ask questions or talk about her friends and some issue. Uh, And, you know, she regularly calls me. She just did the other day. She sent me a a text message and said, this is what's happening with my roommates. Mm -hmm. What do I, what do I do? How do I handle this? This person says they're a Christian, but they're not acting like it. Do I talk about that? that, Which I said, you know, that's probably not going to get you if they're mad at you a lot of favor to say, you're saying you're a Christian, but you're not acting like it. Um, But it's fun to feel like, and you know, I, I've never felt wise. Like I want to feel wise. Yeah. But then when your daughter says, what do I do in this? And I know, I know exactly, you know, how to handle it, or I know a way to not handle it. Uh, it's so satisfying. Yeah. Well, cause you've been there, you know, you've done that. You've, you've made the mistakes. You've, you've experienced the successes Yeah. and now, and you've been guiding her and she knows that she can trust you, which goes back to the very beginning of what you were talking about. She can try, I can trust my dad. Because he's been with me from the beginning, and he hasn't—he hasn't been lying. He has yeah. been present. He's—he's—he's he's been involved. And just for the record, Sarah is one of the coolest kids. She's not a kid. Yeah, I feel bad yeah. for saying that because I'm so old. Everybody's a kid, but um, she is. She's cool. Sarah can hang a, with a bunch of men in a cigar shop and have a great conversation. Yeah. And she can go to her dorm room and hang out with all the girls. Yeah, and yeah. She is a solid, solid. Christian woman. It is, um, it is awesome. Yeah, hey, Jimmy, what do you, what do you think about when you, what is there, a, is there a theme or an idea that, that comes to the surface when you think about what it means to be a dad? 
I mean, I can only think of, you know, the examples that are the example uh, that I had. And actually, I, could, I could probably actually when I say examples, I, there's some truth to it. When I lived in Canada for a number of years, I know there was uh, an individual there that kind of acted like a surrogate father. And my dad even had gone to him and visited and said, hey, man, I just, I just want you to know. I am so appreciative for how you stepped in mm-hmm. when I'm not around. Yeah. And I think for both of these men. That's big for your dad to do, man. Yeah. Because yeah, dads yeah. can be. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And my dad, and my dad would say, you know, my dad would say he's made a lot of mistakes over the years. Um, but one of the things I, I or the three things I've kind of seen from him since I was a kid and even now uh, has been uh, he always provided instruction, correction and affection. Mm. Always. That's good. Always. You know, he kind of told me, you know, what it's supposed to be, what you're supposed to do. Uh, he guided me in a lot of things in, in faith and personally, you know, like mm-hmm. in the workplace and, right. and, uh, and in school and relationships. But then, you know, he corrected when I was wayward or when I did something wrong or which is actually, a lot, I, which a is lot. a lot. Actually, I remember <laughs> he came up in Canada one time. Oh, yeah. And, I'm, I, you know, Joe knows this. You know, I almost lost my wife and mm-hmm. sat down. You know, my dad hung out for a day and then we got in the car going for a ride somewhere. And he goes, hey, man. What the heck? Wait, wait a minute. He that, might have said something. I don't else. think he said that. No, I'm pretty sure your dad did not say that. He said something a little more forceful. <laughs> he he did. He did, but he was like he, he got your attention. He got my attention. He corrected me and said, "You are not loving your wife well. Mm. You are not treating her with respect. You are not doing the things that you need to be doing as a man." Yeah. So I mean, he corrected me lovingly, uh, and that really kind of changed a lot of things. So I mean, but then affection. My dad was always present even when he's not yeah. physically present he always checks in sees how things are going wants to talk and say you know what's going on in your life what's going on in your home things like that so i mean those are the three things that i i hope that i'm yeah. providing for for my children mm-hmm. um especially the affection part right like you know making sure that that when i'm home i'm present mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm you know especially as they're young you know um am i am i engaging in the things that they want to engage in at yeah. that time yeah that's one of the things Steve pressed on me really hard was, um, you know, play with your kids and, you know, play their games, do yeah. what they like to do. And I remember thinking like, I don't want to do what my kids want to do. What they want to do is lame. I want to do what I want to do with them. And I always find I'm the bad guy. It's Steve's like, I'm always the bad guy in their, in their play. Like, oh yeah. You're, you're no, the dragon that's getting like, oh yeah. Kicked yeah and like, hit by the kids. So, um, anyhow, with my dad, my dad grew up without a dad. My mom grew up without a dad. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, like, they both responded to the absence of a father in their life by being very, very invested in me. Yeah. Uh, my dad was, like, very, he was affectionate. He was present. And it was because, I listen, I didn't have it, and this is what I wanted, and I want to give it to you. So, why don't we talk about this? Like, there's a lot that we could say about what it means, essentially, to be a father. And maybe we'll revisit that here in just a minute. But... What makes being a father hard? Like, what are the mm. what are the barriers? What are the temptations? What are the pitfalls that are easy for us to fall into? And I, again, we're 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 just talking here. Like, yeah. this is we don't. If if you're new to this podcast, we we don't yeah. have we don't have like points that we want to make here. We're just asking these questions, and so this is off the cuff. I know you know Steve's just jumping in for the first time here, but um, what what do you think, Steve? Are some of the pitfalls, or maybe what are some of the challenges that you face as a dad that interfere with you being the kind of dad you want to be? Oh gosh, I mean, work. Uh, you know, as a pastor for twelve years, and I'm, I'm sure I'm talking to a lot of pastors on the podcast. Um, being being a pastor and knowing your kids kind of only know you as a pastor, especially when I was in a church that was struggling, um, 
was hugely difficult for me. Um, you know, knowing that I wanted them to have a wider experience of what it means, uh, you know, to worship, of what it means to know God, of hearing other voices. And my, my kids always speak fondly about my preaching and, and all of that. Um, but I always felt like that that was a bad thing in some ways that mm. I that I couldn't avoid. You know, yeah. how do you avoid yeah. something do you, like yeah. that? Kids, you guys are going to yeah. this other church for this. And week. I'm not at a church with three other preachers that I trust and they can hear these other voices all the time. And they, they heard other preaching from time to time. Uh, but being a part of a small church where I didn't have a lot of time off and other preachers that were good around uh, very often, that was really hard um, for us. The The other thing I want to talk about, I don't know if this is quite what you're talking about, but uh, the more time your kids spend with friends, the more I start feeling the struggle because they so absorb into those friendships. Um, and, you know, having older kids, the youngest is 14, um, not thinking about those really young formative years anymore. The the friendships that they've had, there's been really, really good ones. And, and we don't have any uh, experience of that really bad friend who tried mm-hmm. to lead them in, right. in a really bad direction. Uh, but we do have the experience of where they start to trust their friends in ways that are beyond where they should trust their friends. Um, and thinking that those things are a little bit cooler than right. mom and dad are doing, even sure. though I'm super cool, obviously, 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 obviously. Uh, that's, that's been, I, you know, that's where we are right now is the, the, the friendship thing. And then, you know, now we've moved, they're away from all of their best friends yeah. they're trying to make new friends. Uh, and you feel like you're almost starting over and they're, you know, one son is a junior in high school and halfway through that year. So, you know, getting, getting those friendships together and you just feel like you're kind of lost, and pointing them back to uh, what's most important. Yeah. Yeah. I think for some people, um, has, and actually, Joe, you kind of mentioned this a little bit, is for some people they struggle because they've had bad examples right. of a father, right? Like, and I mean, your dad uh, understood that and, you know, tried to compensate for that. And, I mean, people like Steve as well. I mean, you've had, you know, Papa Ed. Stetzer, <laughs> as as a bad example, and yet you you've become this this great father to your children. Yeah, I think like how do uh, you move past that? I, I think that when we think of bad examples, um, or or Steve hates me, or just what you know. <laughs> so like when I grew up, my my mom and dad were loving, um, invested parents, but the example is is I had virtually no rules. So I could do what I wanted. I could stay out as late as I wanted. I remember when I was 12, I could come home at midnight as long as I knew like, well, you're somewhere with your friends. That's fine. So like I had, I could do, I could watch anything I wanted from the youngest of ages. I, I, it was, it, we were a very liberal family. And so now as, you know, when Jen and I got married and we started having children, um, that was an impact. It was like, wow, like what you're talking about. Like, well, you know, she grew up in a super sheltered, like boarding school, Christian yeah, yeah, boarding yeah. school. Uh, like, you know, you can't look at a, at a person, like at a boy. Um, and I grew up with like, well, man, you can just do whatever. So like, that's been a struggle for us. You know, like, wow, what I grew up with was this hyper um, liberal uh, freedom, which ultimately wasn't good for me. We've had to deal with that as well. I think that's, I think you're right that what you grow up with, it can either push you in a good direction or it can make you pendulum swing to a a, a bad degree, or you can just wind up repeating what you've experienced. I think that's that's why it's important. Like what you're talking about is, is the communication and uh, especially on the front end. I know know for Michelle and I, uh, even before we were married, kind of sorting through some of those parental things. 
because Michelle was the same, very sheltered, very, there's family of hers that listens to the podcast. So I don't want to, I don't want to talk too much no, about you, it. Go ahead. You no, share. no, no, no. I don't want to share don't, about listen, it. We don't talk about in light of who's listening. We talk like it's just us in the room. That's how we do it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair okay. enough. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into yeah, it. But you can go ahead. So Michelle would the have pod- these nights. If you rename the podcast in the room. Oh, that's, oh, a, that's a good title. That's a, that's a great title. title. Man, we should do that. Mm. Well, Ryan ain't doing nothing with it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Ryan? In the room. In the room podcast <laughs> with Ryan Hughley. But no, I mean, like for her. Yeah, like uh, very much like you're talking about with Jen. Very sheltered. Like you couldn't say certain things. You couldn't do certain things. You couldn't watch certain things. It was like locked down. Jen couldn't watch Rainbow Bright because uh, obviously of Satan. Could 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 Michelle watch Rainbow Bright? No. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're very they're very the same person. No, no, Michelle. It was yeah. Canada. No, 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 no. Like Michelle's. Mother was very protective, mm-hmm. very protective, mm-hmm. and so when they would have a movie night, right? She she'd rent two movies, okay, one that was already pre-approved, and two of the second one yeah. that was new. So yeah. they'd start the second one, the first swear word, like eject, sh- shut up. That VHS comes out, yeah, and be I quiet, eject. yeah, done, <laughs> done. Back goes Mary Poppins, like it was like. And even that wasn't really accepted, I think. No, because she like did nude scenes later on. You can't be watching Mary Poppins. <laughs> no, because it was actress. magic. They couldn't do that. Oh, anymore. the magic was you bad. You can oh, jump okay. into the chalk paintings. You can't do that. Yeah, no, that, you that's, can't do that. You right. can't do that. So we had to, you know, what were for me with my dad, you know, family night was uh, beers. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Family no. night at the Fowler house. No, was, it was, was not beers. No, but we, no, no. We'd watch in living color. <laughs> you can do Married what with children. you do And then uh, uh, At that time there won't, Whatever UFC was on Whatever fight night was on Right That Dang, was, that was family Married night. with children Dang you're young Married with children And yeah. uh, I was watching All in the Family When I was Oh wow <laughs> So when, um, when I think about a barrier um, To being a dad One of the things that, And it's true for moms too Is just Fatigue because yeah. it is hard. It, it, like work can be hard, whatever it is, whatever your vocation, you're tired, you're zapped. Um, and then the most important people in your life, supposedly the most important people in your life, are then like, hey, dad. And the and I, if I'm just honest, my flesh goes, man, leave me alone. Yeah, just be quiet. I don't, you know what? I want to go just lay down on the couch and play uh Tune Blast on my phone, yeah, which yeah, I'm, you know dom- you're, you're I'm dominating. Or I'm you're dominating. Eight ball pool. Eight ball pool. I'm not dominating at that. But a Tune Blast, <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. But it's like, you know, Killian, little bonger, he'll come up to me seven and be like, Dad, let's play, you know, uh, whatever that first person shooter game is. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. So th- what we have here is a really old building. What? No, thank you. Thank and, you, Jesus, for and the building. unfortunately, Southern Baptists, which we are, Built this building and then added onto it, and it it's 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 a little rough. It's a little ghetto, mm. you could say. And um, about a few times a year, the fire alarm goes off for no about reason. Three times. Uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet. And then the and usually there's nobody here. It just so happens that we're here with Steve when the alarm went off. So we got some video. You can go to the show notes and watch the video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. guy gave the fire department a tour and showed them eh, no smoke, no fire. We're all good. So anyways, all right, so we're going to wrap this up with, with another question. Um, 
we talked about what it means to be a father a little bit. We we discussed what makes it difficult, what are some of the challenges, just mm-hmm. just a few. But as Christians, you know, for us, the issue is the gospel, um, the grace of God shown to us in the in the Son of God. Um, how does the gospel help us to understand what it means to be a father? In in what ways? And I'll start with you, Steve. You know, when you think about how the gospel should shape our our yeah. understanding of fatherhood and our practice of fatherhood, what what comes to mind? Uh, yeah, a, a few months ago, um, my son heard that there was a friend of his, a really good friend of his in high school who went missing, and we had just moved away. And So this was very recent. It was very recent, and it was very difficult because he was here just having no clue what was going on. All of his yeah, friends were on yeah. Facebook saying, we don't know where he is. Can somebody please find him? And they finally located his car. Um, and then they found him uh, dead in a field. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've actually found out, I don't know if you haven't told you this, Joe, but we found out since that they, they did the autopsy and everything. And he his basically just heart just stopped. There was no reason. There was nothing he was on. I mean, there was nothing um, other than he just had some flaw in his body and it just stopped working at that moment. So it sounds like he panicked, got out of his car, or just like, I don't Either know what that doing. or he was out of his car, you know, playing Pokemon go or you know, there's, right, right, there's right. those other, you know, GPS focused games. Um, so we don't know exactly what he was doing, but we know that he just fell down and died. Right. And it took him a while to find him. And then when they found him, nobody knew what was going on. And my son was just devastated. I mean, he, uh, and this as, is Jack, your oldest. This is Jack, um, who's now 19. He was 18 uh, at the time and just left high school. We moved. He, he doesn't have any friends. You know, I'm coming back to that theme because it just mm-hmm. happens to be where we are in our lives. But uh, knowing in the middle of that difficulty that we could constantly go back to the gospel and help him. I, yeah, I just remember he, he got behind on his schoolwork. He just was very... Um, it just was overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we got to sit down with him. You know, we just had those conversations. We just tried to listen when he was sad. Um, and, you know, knowing that from us coming to church, uh, you know, on Sundays and, and hearing the gospel, uh, all of that was just kind of working on him. And he, he spent a couple of weeks really struggling. And then you just saw him, you saw it release. Like he, it, it wasn't gone. Right. He's still devastated. He's still sad. Uh, but there was a moment where we just realized, I'm so glad that I'm not raising my kids without knowing mm. there's something beyond now. Yeah, yeah, without hope. Without hope. And we felt like, you know, that it, it, there's still conversations that are ha- we're happening with him now. I mean, we're, we're still talking about things and um, with Christmas time. Uh, you know, you guys had the the blue Christmas thing here right. at the church, and uh, he was thinking about coming to that. I don't think he did, but uh, I know that he's been, you know, kind of thinking through things. And we spent time, and he he kept saying, "Dad, I'm I'm working through stuff. Yeah, I'm thinking it mm. through." And I said, "This is a good time to to go through and think about the gospel as well." And he said, "That's what I mean when I say I'm yeah, thinking it through." And that just awesome. felt that was such a relief. Yeah, even mm. when you feel like you just want to grab every tool and try to fix something, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is my, you know, personality, just try to hurry up and fix him and hurry up and talk and hurry up and, and finish it. And to just know that time can pass and the gospel, hopefully, you know, Lord willing sinks in deeper. Mm. That's awesome, man. It's such a, a hard thing. And, you know, regardless of kind of where you're at in the country, 
um, kids commit suicide yeah. or they die yeah. or they OD. Um, and uh, there's not always a nice answer. And, you know, as I grew up, I wanted answers to the why. I wanted to know if there's hope. And my family couldn't give me any of that. Mm. And so the, the fact that you can, you know, point your kid. And at this point, you almost don't have to point your kid yeah. to the gospel because you've raised him with the gospel. And he yeah. knows this is where I need to go. But then what about those kids that, that are in that formative years? Yeah. Like, how do you help point them to the gospel? You know, right. in the everyday correction or in the everyday, mm-hmm. you know, instances that they're going through. How do you because, you, you know, obviously, like you said, uh, like Joe just said, you know, you did all that then. And now he's kind of going there himself. Praise God. Right. But then how how did you do it then? Yeah, that's a that's a I, you know we we didn't have something that devastating to go through when they yeah, were yeah. that young um, uh, at the time, but you know we did go through the loss of my mom. Yeah. Uh, now that I think about it, mm-hmm. back in uh, gosh that was two thousand and eight, I believe. Uh, you know, and and knowing that you have this thing and can just talk to them about it's just a, it's a different it's the same story but it's a different time, and so the story is just simpler. Yeah. You know, you're just breaking it down for them, which is, you know, pretty easy to do when you're reading the Jesus Storybook Bible with them every day. and Which we highly recommend. Yeah, yeah. highly recommend, yeah. Um, you know, it's easy just to go back to those stories and to say, this is how we can understand what God has done, what God is doing, how he's active in the world, how yeah. there is no, you know, true despair when we have uh, that hope beyond this life. So it's it's really important then that you, you, you can't extrapolate the gospel apart from the character of God. Right. So like the gospel only makes sense when we understand a triune God who is who he is. So he is sovereign and he is good and he is merciful and he is compassionate and and he is present and he is involved um, and he cares. Right. Like all of these things really matter. And mm-hmm. those are the things that we need to be teaching our kids throughout raising them as fathers, modeling compassion and love yeah. and care and investment as much as possible, but also teaching them didactically, uh, you know, um, informing them, reading them the stories, explaining to them the scriptures so that when these things happen, they have a place to go back and say, oh, well, I know this, that um, I know that God is good to his people. I know that God is good. I know that he hasn't abandoned me. I know that there's an answer to this. I know that he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. And so when I think about you know, how the gospel informs fatherhood on a principal level. I think about things like gracious condescension, mm. right? To get down to the level of your kids, to talk to them, to love them, to play with them. Um, I, I think about love and sacrifice, um, you know, it, with, with Christ in the incarnation. I think about God's, you know, benevolent love, that he's so good to us when we don't deserve it. And I'm so quick to say like, well, you don't deserve it, that you, you ain't getting it. Because you just broke the rules. And, uh, but the gospel is, you know, bigger than that. Not that there isn't an accountability or justice. There, of course, those things are true. But that, um, that we need to model grace for them. And I feel like when it comes to how the gospel informs fatherhood, they need to see me practice both faith and repentance yeah. towards them as well as other people and also dependency. If they see us in the midst of our suffering, when you lose your mom, mm-hmm. right, which was really hard, um, or when you're going through a difficult time with the church and the church is being difficult, or when you're suffering, when you when they see you trusting God in the midst of all of that, knowing that he is with you and in you and for you, 
that's a lesson that they take away that they, Absolutely. That they, that they carry. Yeah, because they're going to be looking to you, hearing you, and seeing kind of what how you're responding to those yeah. those circumstances. We had, um, you know, in, in our small church, we had our share of, of people issues and things that would come up or somebody would criticize something. Yeah, like in every church. Like in every church. Yeah. Something that would come up in a, in a public meeting where they would say something not so gracious to me. And, you know, I one of the things that, that I could always point the kids to was, you know, how we don't have to respond mm. the way people treat us. We can treat them differently than that. Right. Um, that was big. You know, one of the things I, one of the tools that we use, just the simplest thing, but we used to do it all the time when the kids were smaller, is we would ask them, and we would do it at random times too, which I, I think it helps to sink in when it happens in multiple places, multi, you know, multiple ways. Yeah. It doesn't have to always be in, we're having dinner, so we're going to say a prayer. Um, but we would ask the kids, who loves you more than mom and dad? Mm. And, you know, it wasn't very long when we'd ask that question, they would just say, God does. And it wasn't like, we're concerned about the way you're explaining your love to us. Mm -hmm. They just realized it doesn't matter how much mom and dad love us. God loves us more. And, you know, that, again, is one of those foundation builders, as simple as it is, um, to say now, if I go, go to my kids, I probably haven't said that in several years now because they're so much older. But uh, I guarantee if I asked that question, they would know the answer. Mm -hmm. All right, so I got one more thing I want to throw at you. Mm. Oh, no. Here we go. Here we go. You have no idea what I'm going to throw at oh, you. Oh, it's going to be good. But you might be able to guess. I will take whatever money you want to provide. No, there's okay. So, no, are, um, Is there a stipend no, for this? No, or? you got that Stetzer money. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and Ed are rolling in it. <laughs> yeah, by the way, thank you for this glorious microphone that I'm speaking in. Uh, it's it's pretty good. Behind your EIB golden <laughs> microphones. EIB uh, network. Oh, stop <laughs> it. Oh, my gosh. That is a throwback. You guys. Uh, <laughs> all right, so... A while back, you hmm. said something on Twitter. Oh, I don't even want to. Oh, we're oh, doing yeah. it. I, I, we're doing, doing it. You brought it up earlier, right. though. Wasn't we're you? doing it. No, Joe. This was a few years ago. Hmm. You said something along the lines of that it's important to teach your kids hmm. that they are broken. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't did remember. You, did you say broken? Oh, the word was, no, broken. was broken. All right. Yeah, don't. Was broken. Jimmy. I no, was there. No, we, because we Steve experienced and I, Steve it. And I know, but you and I had a conversation about it like a, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. You, we lived you, said it, obviously you said it wrong, but it was close enough. I just let it go. Oh, okay. Yeah. You said you can say yeah. something a certain okay, way. Okay, so thanks for playing, play. Jimmy. Uh, maybe next time. Anyway. <laughs> I you, hate Joe you, Thorne. You said something along the lines of, I, I teach my children that they are broken. And holy smokes, yeah. the internet broke. Yeah. Like people went bananas that you would teach your kids that they are broken. Yeah. Assuming that you're not also teaching them that they're loved, creating right, the image right, of God, right, wonderfully right. and freely made. Why don't you speak to that issue? Because it was it was mm. a profound moment. It was, and if anybody would have listened, they they would have understood what you were saying. Yeah. So I, I would like you to address this issue that that you're you know that you were famous for yeah. uh, at that point in internet history. Um, why do you think it's important for our children to understand that they are in some way broken? Hmm. Well, I, I guess I should just make sure everybody understands. Yeah. This wasn't the reformed Twitter sphere that was going crazy. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think everybody on the podcast. Who was, was it that responded primarily? Uh, it was the stuff Christian culture likes people. <laughs> mm. What was that? What was that girl's name? I have no I idea. Even, I don't even remember. They well, were, I do know her name, but I'm not. Oh, they were angry. It. Yeah, they, they were, were aggro. Really, they were pretty aggro yeah. all the time. Uh, yeah, and I've gotten tweets years after that, like reminding me, like. You've learned your lesson, right? And you know, like you, <laughs> Don't you listen, the all these people on Twitter corrected you, right? Um, so I guess they were telling me that I was broken mm -hmm. for uh, for suggesting how dare they? How dare they? Um, 
But you know, it's funny that that, that group in particular is supposed to be a kind of healing community, people mm-hmm. who've been hurt by the church. And they kind of ridicule the church in order to show what's wrong. And instead, they're really kind of proving the fact, just by being the community they're being, that we're all we're all in a bad place. I mean, this is, you know, we Yeah, it's like wrong. the Reformed pub of today. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. Um, so you put out that tweet. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. What, what, no. were you, what were you trying to communicate? I, I just... You know, I, I remember, I'm sure I was dealing with something with my kids at the time, um, but just the realization of how important it is to remind your kids, even daily, the reason you did that thing. Not that, I mean, not even as a, as a theory. It's not even saying, hey, just so you know, yeah. you're, you're a sinner. I mean, that's, that's important. It's theology, right? You're, you're doing the right thing. Um, but to respond to the broken things they do by saying, baby, you were born this way. <laughs> Do you like for, that, Jimmy? I like that. It's a little for Kesha. shame. Yeah. Is that Kesha? I, I want to know if Jimmy knows. No, I don't know. You really don't know? I actually, I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of another podcast that always says "baby this, baby that." No, wait, is that Kesha though? Baby one? Or is that, no, it's it? no. Lady Gaga. I Lady Gaga. Yeah. They're, they're the same person to me. I can sing it if you want. I don't know. Yeah, please do. Baby, I'm not going to do that. No, it was not like that. No, that's not it. I'm pretty sure that's it. No, I'm pretty sure you're wrong. I'm pretty sure that's it. No, 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 no. Um. Just to remind your kids to make sure they know so that when they go through, you know, we were talking about Paul Maxwell, you know, we we're talking about the Theofit stuff and, you know, Paul talking about you're going to fail. You're going to eat that thing. You're going to not go to the gym. You're going to make the excuse when it comes to you know, yeah. the things you need to do for your body. And this is the thing we need to do for our soul, you know, to remind ourselves and, and to help teach your kids as they're growing up. It's okay to admit there's something wrong with me because then you go looking for the thing that's right. You're going to look mm. for the thing that will, that will fix you. The thing that will repair the thing that will bring redemption and restoration. We want that for our kids. I think everybody listening wants that for their yeah. kids, Yeah. but you can't, you can't give them the gospel without the law. And we just want them to understand who they really, really are deep down. I think that was the way I said it too, was teach your kids that they're broken. And then it was, Deeply broken. Yeah, deeply. Yeah, that was it. And it's 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 frustrating to me because every human being knows on some level I am not what I am supposed to be. We know that. That's why we get. That's why people get breast implants and like facial surgery, or it's why they go to the gym, or it's why they make a lot of money. Not everybody, but people do these things because they want to become what they are not. They know I am not what I want to be, and they think, but. By doing these things, I'm going to overcome those things somehow. Yeah, yeah. And it, it there's a deeper issue there that there is something lacking. There is something wrong. So I think the the felt need of I'm not what I'm supposed to be is real. What is the answer to that? I think the answer is is that we are sinners, which means we are deeply broken. Yeah. But absolutely. God loves us anyways. I mean, that's goodness. Anybody who knows you knows that that's your message. That we are deeply mm-hmm. broken, but God loves us anyways. We are deeply rebellious, but God loves us anyways. And uh, and, he, and not only that, he saves us and he restores us. And he makes us what we're supposed to be progressively. I mean, it's good news. To, to laugh joyfully in our yeah. brokenness. Yeah. To be willing to do that. I love it, man. That's good stuff. Steve, we love you. Man. We're so glad that you are. Finally here. I'm not, never going to see a, you guys again. This is sad. Not a member. Yeah, no, we're done with you. Except for probably tomorrow. I won't see and you then, tomorrow. you know, I'll see you tomorrow next week. I'll be around Sunday and, you know, 
Yeah, we'll yeah. see. Okay. So um, I, don't, I don't like that eye contact. No, you guys did. No. The eyebrow but, raise. Yeah, the weird. eyebrow raise. Joe does weird eyebrow raises. I've done I that can't for a help long that. time. That's the only hair he's got to well, raise. Well, once, yeah, mm-hmm. once his hair was. I knew Joe when he had hair. Did you know Joe when oh, he had hair? Oh my goodness! No, I should put up the ad that Ed had put up at Southern Seminary, where I was an MDiv student, and I was. In I've the never MI. seen this. So I was. Ed's like, I want because you're in the Billy. You're, you're in the school of theology. But you're going into church planting. Yeah, church planting. So I want your picture and I want you to quote up with you for the Nehemiah Project. And then I can tell you my Ed Stetzer story from seminary sometime. You know what? That's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole I think we should podcast. do that. <laughs> so Steve, if people want to follow you or connect with you on Instagram and Twitter, how do they do that? Yeah, Twitter is Steve K. McCoy. Instagram wait, wait, is wait, 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 wait. probably... Wait, what is it? Steve K. McCoy. Why is it Steve K.? Why can't you just get Steve McCoy? I think you have it. I do. I got everything. <laughs> Steve K. McCoy on Twitter and Instagram. Same thing. I, I don't know what it is on Instagram. Really? You're really, Do people really, really want to see pictures of... Yes. Dude, you're really coming off well right now. Yeah. yeah. People already don't want to like follow yeah, just, you. Just go to Joe's Instagram and follow through his like 5,000 people he follows and you'll find... First of all, I follow like two... And I got like 18,000 people following me. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's how I roll. I, I ain't following anybody. Everybody follows me. Um, you're on, Steve's on Facebook. and Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. You can also follow Ed Stetzer. And there you're pretty much getting Steve. Yeah. Day and night. Because Ed, Ed Stetzer is Steve McCoy. It's pretty is much Steve McCoy. No, I know, I know Ed runs it. But no, no. Let's be honest. No, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you can follow D&D on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Doc Devo or on Facebook slash Dr. Devotion. You can head on the website, drvotion.com. <laughs> you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast. Or you can just sign up for the 2018 Dr. Devotion Conference on the Spirit of the Church. Fresh pod every Monday and Thursday. Blog posts on Wednesdays. Video content Oh, Fridays. you know what's coming out soon? What? New t-shirts. Oh. Those new t-shirts are about to drop. Oh. They are about to drop. They'll be ready in February. They'll be ready February, yes. Oh, you guys better get... You ain't ready... You are not ready for this. You all ain't ready for this. This is going to be good. Y'all ready for this? Later.